you turn to Mark chapter 2. It has been a great year, and I'm going to do this a little bit differently. There's a lot going on today, and I'm going to try to do it in good timing. Um, but when I get talking about where we're going and, and the desire I have for our church and what I believe God brought us here for, um, there's a lot to talk about. But I also don't want to preach just to get to the end and have us all commit to something. Um, I really want to still tell you who Jesus is. Um, that's a big part of who we are. It's a big part of what we're trying to do is that you would see Jesus. In fact, our vision statement is to see Jesus on every street and every heart, And so, which starts with you seeing the real Jesus and putting you in a place where you actually get to hear and know who Jesus really is. Because I don't think I have to convince you to love Jesus. I just need to make sure you see him and hear him. And I believe if that happens, that you would see him and hear him and begin to respond. And so, like we say in our church, when Jesus called Lazarus from the grave, he had already asked people to remove the stone. It would be a mean thing to call Lazarus out of the grave and leave the stone there. Right? Just the dude walking around in the dark like he's alive, but he ain't going anywhere. How many of you think that church, the church sometimes look like that? We are alive. We got some breath in us, but we ain't doing anything. And, and part of it is because we haven't moved the stone away. And so when Jesus calls you out, he wants you to walk out. And, and so for some of us today, and for really, for, for what I desire for this church, I, I, I want us to be people who, who make a commitment that, that people would see Jesus. And that people around us would see Jesus. And that our city would see Jesus. Amen? And if they see Jesus, we'll see Jesus on every street and every heart. And I want to unpack that a little bit today. But I want you to turn to Mark chapter 2. We've been there, uh, again, uh, for most of uh, the month. And, and, uh, and then in a couple weeks, we have December 16th, our Christmas special. That's, that's the Sunday to invite everybody. Um, I'd love to see us move the curtains off the back seats and see this place packed because I believe we're going to do some things there where people can see Jesus like never before. And so I want to really challenge you. We've got 500 invitation cards. That's more than the amount of people that are here right now. So every one of you can grab a few and be generous with it. And uh, let's invite some people along. Amen. Awesome. Mark chapter 2, and I want to read it because it's important that we know where we're at on everything and why uh, we've been here. And what happens in my Bible is if we go to the same place many times over, uh, the pages fall out. So maybe I need to invest in a better Bible, but it's kind of cool. It makes me feel like I'm reading my Bible. So Mark chapter 2, uh, verse 1 says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. We started this series by talking about the idea that you should not argue about which corner you carry. You should just pick up the corner that is in front of you. Too much of the church is caught up in what am I supposed to do rather than what are we supposed to do. And we just realize that there are paralyzed people who just need to get to Jesus. We'll pick up whatever corner is in front of us. And at some point, you will shift and find a place that fits you better. I understand that. But so many of us, we gotta, we got to discover the universal calling of the, of the church so that we might discover the personal calling of the person. And, and so they just pick up the corner. Otherwise, we all end up sitting on the mat with the paralyzed man and going nowhere. And so these four men arrive carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith. They say their. Seeing their faith. They and their are the most important words in this story. They truly are. Because it is about the unity and the believing of a group of people that brought the healing of a person. 
Their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And the reason they say that uh, this is blasphemy is because, and Jesus knew this was going to happen, is because they connected sickness to sin. So if you were sick, then you were sinful. And so Jesus healed, Jesus forgave sins so they would be set up for the next part because he knew what he was doing. Jesus was smart. Jesus knew what they were thinking. He says, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said to him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. I think it's an interesting thing that he would even tell the the man to pick up his mat. Why the heck would you pick up your mat if you're never going to need it again? Here's why. Because the mat became his message. What What he walked through was actually the very thing that was going to help others walk again. And he was going to testify to what God had done because if he hadn't walked out with a mat, the people on the outside of the house who saw him lowered in on a mat wouldn't be sure it was actually him. But when he picked up the mat, he walked out, and what they saw him carried in on, he was now carrying. And it became the very thing that caused them to be astonished and praise God. Are you with me? You're beautiful. I'm glad you're with me. I'm glad at least 12 of you were with me. That's awesome. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man, stand up, pick up your mat, go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed the mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. I love it. My message today is stunned streets. Stunned streets. That's my desire. Onlookers, they were all amazed and praised God. We talked last week about praise. Praise is seen and heard. If you see it but don't hear it, you don't know why they're doing it. If you hear it but don't see it, you don't believe what they're saying. Praise is seen and heard. It is a people who shout it and then show it in their lives. They were all amazed and praised God exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. We've never seen. Everybody say seen. We've never seen anything like this before. That's, what, that's the desire of our hearts, is that people would see something they've never seen before. And in so many of the stories that we've shared over the last several weeks, and, and we have multiple more stories that we could have shared. And we, I've even tried to reference a few of them as we've gone along. But this idea that people have seen community in a way they've never seen it before. They've seen hospitality in a way they've never seen it before. They've, they've, they've seen a singing preacher in a way they've never seen it before. Well, that may not be true, but they've seen things they've never seen before. And, and hopefully in all of it, they've seen Jesus in a way they've never seen him before. And that is our desire, that people would see Jesus in a, a way they've never seen. And I'm not, we're not trying to be arrogant and say that we are the only ones who have shown Jesus, but there is a group of people in this city that we have the opportunity and privilege to show him to that have actually never seen him like this before. In fact, many of the stories of people in this room are people who grew up in a certain place seeing Jesus a certain way, and when they walked in this place, they were welcomed, accepted, incredibly encouraged, and they found a home and for some reason discovered Jesus in a way they'd never discovered him before. It's a goal and desire of our church, and my heart, my desire is that when we walk through our city streets, they would see Jesus in us. So the first priority is that people would, that you and I would see Jesus, and not just on Sundays. I want you to understand that my desire for our church is not that we de-emphasize Sundays, but that we re-emphasize Mondays. I think Sunday is a priority. Meredith and I will be in church almost every Sunday. We do it, you know, there's a few Sundays we don't always make it. But we, we, we will be in church as often as we possibly can be. Whether preaching or not, we will be there. 
Because it is healthy, and it is a rhythm, and it is a body of Christ coming together to celebrate God. But sometimes in our effort to make Sunday the main thing, we have made Sunday the only thing. And so we have allowed Sunday to be the only place that our faith is exercised and increased. And I believe we rob the church and rob people when we, we tell them the only thing you can do is invite people to church. I believe the exercise of your faith in sharing your story and sharing what Jesus has done with you and carrying your mat is, in some instances, the thing that will grow your faith more than any other thing. Because coming here to gather and, and celebrate is awesome. It's the gathering of the good report. But then we walk out of this place empowered by the Holy Spirit, not alone, to share our story. And this paralyzed man gets up and walks out, and it says that there were stunned onlookers. Stunned. And that's really what the church should do. And I want, I want you to understand, the people that were impacted most by what happened in the house were not the people in the house. The people who were impacted most by what happened in the house were the people outside the house who couldn't get in. And all they saw was a dude get lowered and a dude walk out. And he's celebrating and he's praising God and he's rejoicing in what has just happened. And the people outside the house were most impacted by what happened in the house. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say oh so subtly? That it should be the people outside this place that are impacted by what happens in this place. So we do have to make sure something happens in this place. But we have to make sure that that something makes its way outside of this place. And so it is not just an outreach event here or an outreach event there. It is really about a people carrying the mat that they were healed from and walking outside and praising God for the mat that he lifted them off of. And it might take some time, and it may not be easy, and it may not be simple. We always assume that the paralyzed man, now that he was healed, had everything perfect. As though he already had a job lined up, and that he had seen all his family, and, and, and that everything was good, and no relationships had been broken, and everything... No, he got healed so that he could go restore the things that he wanted to for so long to restore, but couldn't do because he was locked up in a certain place. We just assume that, 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 that everything was... No, it was, he was healed so that he could go now figure out, with God's guidance, what to do next. But it started with praise because he was healed. And so many of us, we, we want to stun people. You know, when I say this idea that we want, as a church, we want people to see the real Jesus, I want you to, be, I want, I want you to understand this in my heart, that I don't want that to be just for non-believers. I, I believe there are a lot of people who good-hearted and good, who, have, who have at some point had, had a decision to follow Jesus or, or who are just going to church to hang out or who, who still need to see the real Jesus. How many of you know that this was a mixed crowd of people? These were not all people who didn't believe in Jesus. This was not the first miracle Jesus had done. In fact, Mark 1 is filled with four or five different things, and one paragraph just says he was healing a bunch of people. Like, there were already stories about Jesus doing what he did. So this is not a group of people that were foreign to who he was. There's a reason there were so many people there. But there was a mixed crowd of people, the religious leaders of the day. There were, there were people who just wanted to see this guy that had been healing people. And then there were others who would probably come with him from where, they, where he had been. And so there's this mixed group of people, and Jesus does something, and they all begin to exclaim, I've never seen anything like this before. In some translation, it says, I've never seen it in this fashion, in this style. I've never seen it look just like this. And so it's just a little bit of a different thing. So it's not as though this hasn't happened before, but for them, they had never seen it in this way. They were stunned. In some translations, it would say amazed or astonished. If you were to look up what amazed means, it means it puts someone out of position. 
Have you ever been amazed by something? Like when Mallory invited Brad to church, which she was amazed, and she was kind of knocked out, oh, whoa, and, uh, and I'm sure Brad did the exact same thing, right, Brad? Yep, good, nod your head, thank you. And, um, and, 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 and there's, this, there's this knocked out of, and I want us to be people, I really do, because I believe it's healthy for me as well, to every once in a while be knocked out of position, to be knocked out of what I've dug my feet into and said, it's only going to look like this and it's only going to be this way and my pain is only going to stay like this and my frustration is always going to be there. And Hey, this is how things are going to always look. And sometimes I need to be knocked out of what I've dug my feet into. And that goes for believers and non-believers alike. Those who would say, I love Jesus, and those who would say, I'm not sure I even know who he is. I want us to be a church that, that knocks people out of their assumptions. I want to be a church that, um, that really does get us to a place where people are no longer assuming they know what the church is about. Meredith and I went to, uh, uh, well, one, one, and I'll tell you a bit more about why we were here later, but we went to a place Friday night uh, and it prayed over something, and then, and I'm gonna, I'll tell you later, and then right next door was this bar and, uh, in Southside, and, um, and so we went and hung out, and, and I walked in, and, uh, and, and there's uh, a f- friends of ours who are not, they don't go to the church, but I, and you've heard of them lately. I, I coached coach pitch with him because he and both, both of our sons were in there and week leading up to no one had volunteered yet. So we, we jumped in and, um, and so we did coach pitch together and, and they looked at us and, and actually Mary was still in the car because I was just going to go in and say hi because there was a guy playing music that night or we thought was playing music that night that. I was going to say hello to, and then I was going to bounce. And, um, and, and so, which I've always thought is an interesting term to say bounce. It's weird. You don't bounce out of, anyway. So, welcome to C3. This is what you get. And so I walked in, and, and, and I ran into this guy, and then I ran into a couple other people who do go to our church, who call our church home, which I think is awesome. And, uh, and, and then um, uh, we had a few of our leaders come in, and, and they hung out, and, and, uh, and, and this guy saw, saw me, and so then his wife came up, and we're talking, and they both look at me. I'm not even joking. They both looked at me, and they go, what are you doing here? I said, well, I was right there, and I thought a buddy of mine was playing, so I figured, he's, they're like, you're not supposed to be here. And, and, and I, honestly, it was one of those, like, stunned onlookers thing moment, right? They, they looked at me like, what? You're not supposed to be in a place like this. Like, what do you mean? Like, a place where you can get, it's a restaurant. And yes, it's a little later in the evening. But what I wanted to make sure of, listen, please hear me. I'm not telling you to lose all discernment. I'm not telling you to lose all restraint. But the fruit of the Spirit is not self-denial. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is the ability to walk into a place and bring life rather than succumb to the life of the place. So it doesn't mean that I'm going to be there every night of the week. But if I'm running into people who may never step foot in this church and I'm developing friendships and they are hearing something they've never heard before and I'm not losing certain respectability and I'm not losing certain because I'm not going, I'm not losing my self-control. Then what's happening is they're seeing something like never before. And I shook hands and we hung out. Mayor had to come out. She was like, I'm ready. I'm tired. I'm she come out. We hung out there for another hour. We just chatted, met all their friends. And uh, we, and it was a great time. We had a good time. And, and I want to push against the assumptions of what it looks like to be a believer. I want to push against the assumptions of what it looks like to be the church. I want us to see a church and a people like never before. And I want people to see Jesus like never before. 
And there's wisdom here. Some people should not walk into a bar, 100%. You should have convictions about where God has you in your life. My point is this. My point is this. That I, if people are going to see Jesus, they have to see us. The people who praise God, they didn't get in the house. They couldn't see or hear Jesus. They just saw the guy who had seen him. They need to see Jesus. So I, I, I wrote some things down because I wanted to try to break some assumptions. And so I wrote down, I want to knock some people on their assumptions. <laughs> and I want to kick some assumptions. And you can, no. You pulled those assumptions right out of your assumer. You bet your assumptions we will. We're going to work our assumptions off. This is recorded. Y'all aren't even on the hook for this. I am. People who lived based on their assumptions turned into quite the assumption. Should I say it, babe? Assumption hole. Am, am, I, am I messing with any assumptions yet? Am I messing with anybody believing, oh, well, you just, oh, you, uh, I just want people to see the real Jesus, the one who would sit with tax collectors and sinners, the one who would bring his disciples into the room because he believed mixed company was the best company. He believed that putting Christians together and non-Christians and separating was not the way the kingdom worked. Bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth was seeing Jesus on every street and every heart because people who know Jesus became like Jesus and they saw Jesus in us. I'm not saying be reckless, but I am saying be real, be honest, be truthful to where you are and who you are, and understand that Jesus is transforming you in the power of the Holy Spirit from glory to glory to glory, that you might bring about a praise from others, that they might be stunned, and that their assumptions are broken down, and they're put in a different position so that they might finally see that Jesus loves them, gave everything for them, and no matter what, will do everything to get to them. I don't want to say things just to get under your skin. I do want to say things to make sure that you're letting things into your skin, that you are actually allowing life to hit you and be honest about where God is taking you, be honest about what God is shifting you into, be honest about what God is healing you from, and be open about what you're struggling with, be open about what you're questioning, and realize that Jesus is big enough for all of it. If the paralyzed man hadn't been honest about his paralysis then he would never have been healed from it. And people would never have praised God for it. We have to be willing to have these conversations. And so Jesus heals the man. He walks out and they say, we've never seen anything like this before. I want us to be a church that does things in a new way. And not for the sake of doing it in a new way, but for the last 10 years. And for many of you, you may not know our whole story, and I'll share it with you in a moment. But um, 
It's always been that way. If you've ever entered into a conversation with me about what church looks like over the last 20 years of my life in ministry, um, a lot of things have changed. But not my view of Sunday mornings. I don't hate Sunday mornings. Don't ever, please don't ever misinterpret my words here. I love the gathering of the saints who are also sinners. I love that we're all sinners and saints together. I love, I love that God doesn't wait until we're not sinners to give us sainthood. I love that he looks at us and sees righteousness in us because of his son. I love the gathering of the saints. I think it matters. I think it's important. I think it's valuable, and I think it brings life. Amen. But I do view the church as a 24-7 thing. I do view the church as something that happens every day, that Monday is just as good a time for someone to meet Jesus as Sunday. I believe Wednesday night at dinner party is just as good a place for someone to see Jesus as Sunday morning. And I will not limit our affection or our uh, uh, effectiveness. I will not limit our fruitfulness to the 90 minutes we're together on a Sunday morning. I want us to be a people empowered in the story that God is shaping in us. I want us to be empowered in what God is calling us each to do. And as each and every single one of us as a person takes it on, then us as a people will grow in what God's called us to do. Amen. That is the interconnectedness of the body of Christ. That you are one thing and I am another thing. And when you put those things together, God works it for the good. That we are each being built on the cornerstone of Christ, brick by brick by brick, to be a dwelling place of the Lord. That's in the Bible. I didn't just make that up. So I want to pray for two things right now. And then I want to share a few things with you. I want to pray that you see Jesus in you. I want to pray today, maybe for some of you, you're going, man, I, I, it's been a rough go this year. It's been a tough, and I'm having a tough time seeing Jesus. And maybe I'm a Lazarus sitting in the grave. Maybe I'm a paralyzed man who needs someone to carry me there, but I, I am having a tough time seeing Jesus. And today, I, I want to pray that you do. I want, to, I want to pray that you see the compassion and the grace and the love and the truth and the righteousness he has for you and the future and the vision he has for your life. But I want to, I want to, I want to pray for the, the next thing is this. I want, to pray that, um, I want to pray that people see Jesus in you. I, I want to pray that as you begin to live your story and live your life and live in the, in, in, the, in, in the grace of God, that people begin to see what God's done in your life. And they, they don't have to show up on a Sunday morning and hear the preacher preach to know that God is alive and well and doing things in the lives of people. I want people to see you so that they can see Jesus. Will you pray with me right now? Lord, I pray all over this place. There are people who are having a tough time seeing Jesus in the midst of their struggle, in the midst of their stuff, in the midst of the things that are going on. God, I want to pray for them. Not because my prayer makes it effective, but because as we come together in agreement, something shifts and changes. And I also want to pray that there are others in here who are ready for people to see Jesus in them who are ready to begin to share their story, begin to pick up their mat, and begin to watch as their healing becomes the thing that heals others. If that's you today, and you'd say, you know what, I, I, I'm having, I, I want to see Jesus. Maybe for the very first time in your life, you're saying, you know what, I want to see this Jesus. I want to see the real, the authentic Jesus. Maybe I've grown up in a religious home, or maybe I've, I, I've never been in church in my life, but I want to see Jesus today. Or maybe you're just having a tough time with that. I want to pray with you first. If that's you right now, I want to pray with you. And so maybe it takes a little boldness or courage, or maybe it just takes you just embracing this moment, the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. 
And you say, yeah, I, 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 I want to see Jesus. If that's you right now, would you just raise your hand? Anyone in this room that goes, yeah, I'm, I'm having a tough time seeing Jesus lately. Just going to give it a moment. And we're going to move to the next thing. Anybody here say, I want to see Jesus in my life and in my future and in my present in ways I've never seen him before. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Awesome. That is so good. Way to go. Lord, I pray over every person who just did that. God, I pray they see you. Holy Spirit, be a witness to who Jesus is in their lives right now. That there's grace for them, there's forgiveness for them, there's life for them, there's future for them, and their vision can be restored. If there's anyone in this room right now who says, you know, I want people to see Jesus in me. I want people to see Jesus in me. I want to walk out of this place and, and, and be Jesus for people, not because I'm replacing him, but because I am a reflection of him. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Awesome. Wow. Look at that. Awesome. So good. So good. Anyone else? Real quickly. Just raise your hand real quickly, and we're going to go. Lord, I thank you so much. Wow. I don't know how many know how many all that's a lot okay but I pray right now across this place that people would see you in their lives and because of that people would see Jesus in them and that they would be a reflection of you that they would not have to be the answer but that they can reflect and be a witness to the answer and that their story while it might have been difficult and challenging or, or, or harder than they thought or different than they thought can still be a story that brings praise to God I pray that they know that their forgiveness and healing is in you and that because of that, they can trust you and lean in and watch as you do something special in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. How y'all doing? Can I, get, can I have like 10 to 15 more minutes? Okay, because I got a few things I want to share with you and a few things I want to celebrate with you. And I didn't want, I didn't want to preach to an ending. I wanted to preach and then I wanted to share and so I want you to be ready. I don't want you to shut down. I don't want you to go, oh, no, that's the ending prayer. That's when my attention, I'm done. I'm over. Start over. You ready? Everybody good? Yeah. Slap a high five with somebody next to you and go, I'm still engaged. All right. All right, cool. I'm watching to see who's not high-fiving. Okay, cool. Hey, I just, I want to share, because while what I said is very much what I want to see in our church, that people would see Jesus like never before, to see the real Jesus, Okay, I, I really want I, what I want our vision to be and the, the way we're going to work this out is to be a church like never before. And so people in this city and people in this area maybe not seen it done this way before. In fact, in, in many ways, our dinner parties are like that. But before I do that, I just want to celebrate a few things. And if you have that slide, because I know I won't remember all of them, um, it, I want to just run through a few numbers. And I don't think numbers mean everything, but I do think they're exciting to look at. Um, because, you know, when people say certain things about certain quarterbacks, I can say, well, he did this. Now, there's more to it than that. We all know that. And that's why we've shared some personal, real stories. Uh, but I wanted to share this with you. 103 new people have shown up in our church over the last 12 months. It's fantastic. 149 people, that's 29 more than the year before, uh, had made decisions about where they are in their faith. That doesn't necessarily mean all first-time decisions. It means responses to what God is speaking in their lives. Uh, 11 people baptized. Um, isn't that awesome? <laughs> 
three of which were impromptu, two of which were just coming to hang out at the Botanic Gardens, and they showed up at our church and got baptized the same day. 31 com- people have completed next steps, meaning they've decided to join a team, get involved in dinner parties, make this their home. 52 people, on average, are getting around the table every single Wednesday night. Um, that's, that's about 45% of what we see on a Sunday morning. That is a phenomenal number, and I think it's a side of, sign of things to come. We had 15 people graduate our school of leadership, uh, which we will continue to do this year. 15 people. It's fantastic. Uh, 54 people were at our leadership weekend. That means 54, 54 people paid to be there. Uh, Friday night, we had a little over 70 people there, which is incredible. Uh, over this past year, we've given $17,000 to missions, which is not us. That doesn't mean we did a ministry and gave money to ourselves. It means that we put money outside of ourselves, both locally and uh, globally. Uh, and we didn't get to show those videos. I just realized that. 65 women at our Every Woman event, and they all took over Kitten Co. I remember Corey remembers that. Uh, 25 men at the men's advance, which you heard stories about, radically changed uh, a few of our men's lives. Plus, we were able to serve Daggett Middle School on multiple occasions because we are not one-hit wonders. And so we gave all the teachers gifts. Uh, we served free hot dogs at the football game. Uh, this, like Just a few weeks ago, we gave more gifts to the teachers and took uh, Funky Town Donuts. Um, so that was awesome. And then we have open streets. We've been to open streets now for two years, and we did our community movie night. How many came out to that, even though there was tornado warnings? That was fantastic. <laughs> and that does it. That's, that's just, we, we were able to make a full-time hire this year. We hired Amanda Richardson to be part of our staff, um, which is fantastic. Has made a dynamic change in our church and really allowed us to do more things. Um, and we did all of that without um, without going in the red. We are on budget. We are where we intended to be, um, and with some money in the bank. And so we're excited about that. We believe we've been good stewards of what God has given us. Um, we've not done anything uh, irrationally, but we have done things in faith. And and I believe that there is a take courage and get wisdom kind of mentality about this church, and we think that's important. And so all of that to say, um, just 18 months ago, we moved this church 20, from 25 miles away in Grapevine, we moved it to Fort Worth. For some of you guys going, wait, this church was something before this? Yeah, it was, but it's definitely something new now, different now, and, um, and there's been some things that have happened really, really exciting over the last 18, 20 months, and I'm, I'm really excited about this next year. And I really hope that we begin to see Jesus like never before in our church. And so numbers can give you an idea of what's happened, but I believe they're just a seed of what will happen. I believe they're just the beginning of what God wants to do. And, and so I want to make sure that I hit everything that we're intending to hit here. Um, we're, you are part of, and, and you'll hear this in the next steps, and I'd love for you to be there today. Uh, we are part of a global movement of churches. If you don't know this, C3 is part of a, a global movement of churches. There's about 540 of them around the world. Um, about 110,000 people are in church this morning. Well, t- time zones and all that stuff, but 110,000 people join in at C3 Church around the world. Uh, we've got about 40 in the States. Um, they're all on the coast because they're all Aussies, and, uh, and they can't be too far from the water. Um, but they are, it's, it's an incredible family of churches, incredible family of people. And the vision is to see a thousand C3 churches around the world in major cities um, by the end of 2020. Now, I don't even know that's just two years away. So we have 540, so we just need to double that number. Um, so for us, when we practically began to look at that, both taking courage and getting wisdom, um, we made the decision that by the end of the 2020, by December of 2020, we'd like to see three locations of C3 Fort Worth. Three locations of C3 Fort Worth in different neighborhoods in the city. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Fort Worth is really not about the downtown. It's about the town. It's about the city. It's about the neighborhoods around Fort Worth. It's very much becoming 
becoming a neighborhood city. And so you've got things like Southside and West 7th. You've got different things happening around the city, Meadowbrook and different things. And, and so we really want to be a church that understands the value of the neighborhood. So we are not talking about building a 2,000-seat auditorium so everybody can come to us. We are talking about launching new churches that can go to them. The most effective way, and this is across the board, most experts will tell you, the greatest way to share the gospel is to establish new churches in the communities. And so it's not about having one big one. It's about continuing to multiply as a church. And so our desire is that in the next 24 months, 25 months, if you give us December, um, we would see three locations. Now, that's a bit daunting, and that's intentional. Um, if we just said by the end of 